Hey podcast listeners, Michael June here, and I just want to do a quick intro for this special episode of Game Changers. Miss Emily Harmon over at the Onward Podcast asked me to come on and talk about calm and hope in chaotic times. Uh, one of the things that we talk a lot about in this particular episode was about how it seemed like our clients were just way more prepared than the average government contractor. And there's a handful of reasons why we talk about those reasons. Then we get into things like relationships and building relationships. And we touch on a handful of, of different subjects. But uh, you'll notice this is a little bit different. Again, this was actually hosted by Miss Emily Harmon on the Onward podcast. And uh, she gave us the rights to go ahead and replay that here for you as well. So I hope you enjoy. everybody. This is your host, Emily Harmon. In this episode, I'm interviewing Michael Lejeune. Michael is a partner with RSM Federal and the program manager for the Federal Access Knowledge Base. He's an award-winning business coach and author, and he's been consulting and mentoring companies in the government market for nearly 20 years. Michael specializes in breakthrough coaching, He works primarily with companies that are either new to the market or have plateaued and don't know what to do next. You've likely heard Michael on the nation's leading government contractor podcast, Game Changers for Government Contractors. He started this podcast with his co-host, Joshua Frank, in 2016, and thousands of contractors listen to Game Changers every month. Game Changers is available on every podcasting app. So for those of you listening who don't know my background, I have a government contracting background and I just retired in about a year ago from the job as director of the Department of the Navy's Office of Small Business Programs. And government contracting is not easy. There's a lot of challenges that companies can face when they do government contracting. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to talk about government contracting on the Onward podcast, because there are companies that face these challenges and are able to move onward and able to be very successful in government contracting. And I wanted to talk to Michael, especially during these coronavirus times, but I think what you'll get out of listening to this episode is that companies who were doing the right things when the coronavirus wasn't around are the companies that are succeeding right now, companies that have work in their pipeline. So I think this episode would be beneficial for any company that's in the government arena right now or a company that's looking to get into the government space. And I think this episode would be interesting to just anybody who wants to learn more about what it takes to do business with the United States federal government, what are the challenges that these companies face, and how to be successful in the government contracting arena. And now let's start the interview. Michael, welcome to the Onward podcast. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. We just had you on our podcast, so I'm excited to be on yours. Yes, I'm looking forward to this discussion. We're going to be talking about the coronavirus and how it's impacting the way small businesses uh, interact with the government and just what are the challenges that small Mm -hmm. businesses are facing and any advice that we have for them. So you work with uh, Josh Frank and you guys both coach and consult with small businesses. And what are your clients uh, seeing now? What are the things that you're dealing with? Well, you know, it's interesting because people are asking me that a lot right now. and the most interesting thing is people that were not prepared are in a lot of trouble. I see that as a very consistent theme right now. And this is not in any way to promote our coaching, but in a way it sort of will. When I look at our coaching clients, 
I'm not seeing any panic. I'm seeing people that were very prepared, not for the insanity that we're feeling right now, but they were focused on having a healthy pipeline. They were focused on getting to know their customers. They were focused on all of the basic fundamentals that we talk about all the time. And then I talked to new prospects and their heads are spinning. They're like, I don't know what to do. A lot of the opportunities have fallen off. And I start to dig in and it's like, because you're not prepared. Like you're really, you've been in reaction mode and didn't even know it. You've been, you know, the focus of your pipeline is working on what used to be FBO is now beta.sam. Like you're focused on that to build your pipeline and not relationships. And so that's the common theme that I'm seeing from a lot of people. And the thing that I'm seeing from our clients or even people that were just members on our platform were like, we've been giving them content for like, say the last two or three years. I'm reaching out saying, hey, how are you doing? And the overwhelming response is, we're crazy busy right now. Like we're with crazy work. busy. Yeah, with work. Like we're crazy busy. Like one out of every 15 to 20 people, and I, I probably talked to 100 companies in the last month. One out of every 15 or 20 will say, we just, we don't know what to do. Like we're in a place where it's dried up or this has gone on. You know, what advice do you have? One out of about 50 people We'll say, hey, we run call centers or this situation, and we've got a lot of people in a building. What do we do? We're having issues with the government is saying we're essential. We don't necessarily know that we're essential, but they're saying you better show up to work on Monday. How do we deal with that? And so there's a little bit of that, but for the most part, it's not only business as usual. Like I'm seeing it ramp up. And so that's my my positive message for what's going yeah. on. We're seeing that in our business too. I mean, we signed about 20 something clients in the last month on different programs that we have. And it it actually worked out really well. We didn't know when we launched the book, this was going to happen. But the book, the Game Changers book was coming out. And as that is kind of accelerating, people are starting to search a lot more right now for help. And so they're finding us. And so it's been a lot of really long days for us of just new people coming in and, and things like that. So. Oh, that's, that's really interesting. So kind of all boils down to relationships, right? Because if a company like one that you're dealing with is wondering, am I essential or not? If they have a relationship with that contracting officer or their customer, they pick up the phone and call and they work yeah. that out. Yeah, absolutely. And the interesting thing for me is, you know, I mean, you just described the first piece of advice that I would give somebody and they're reaching out to me. Mm-hmm. Like, why aren't you reaching out to talk to them? It's like, uh, I don't know how they're going to handle. <laughs> like, if you have a good relationship, you know they're gonna, how to handle it. You're like, you know exactly what's going to come out of their mouth. You know what they're thinking. And I've read some of the emails that people forward me. I've gotten a handful of those. But they say, here's an email from them. And I'm really scared to get on that phone call. And I'm like, you are reading way too much into this email. If you just take a step back from a very neutral location, you can see in the email, you can read between the lines that they're being directed this. They understand your situation, but they need to communicate to you that you are essential and they need you on the job. They're not saying, if you don't show up on Monday, we're going to cancel your contract. They're just communicating what they need to communicate because if we go back to the way the government works... Everything requires a paper trip. And that's really all it is. So. Yeah, they want documentation that the contracting officer isn't going to call you up and tell you you've got to report to work and, and all that kind of stuff. I mean, they might, but they're going to back it up in writing. Right. And right. the reason they're doing it in writing is to, they have to have a trail. They have to document the file. They have mm-hmm. to uh, cover themselves. I mean, there's going to be auditors coming in after this yeah. <laughs> is over. Yeah, we all know that. Seeing how we spent the taxpayer's money and uh, you got to have a paper trail. Yeah. And you know, one piece of advice that I have for people is if you don't believe that, 
if you think that, hey, they just wrote a blank check and they're going to spend this money like crazy, you better rethink this and you better document everything possible. And also, don't get frivolous with your spending or things that you're trying to build a government just because, you know, they're in this situation. Because I guarantee you're going to go through this year, maybe next year, maybe even the next year. And this is going to be one of those things where we're going to be five years down the track and they're still going to be auditing and coming back and looking at this stuff. And so not that anybody listening would do that, but I have seen companies try to take advantage and say, well, hey, what else can we bill for? And don't do that stuff, but you better be keeping a really good paper trail as well. Yeah, I agree. I was just on a call with um, the National Defense Industrial Association's Small Business Committee, NDIA, and they were talking about the CARES Act and the part of the CARES Act that talks about the Paycheck Protection Program. And I don't want to get into all the details on it. It's kind of complicated. But they were basically saying that if you're going to be filing for these loans from the banks, and you've got to make sure that you're you're not double dipping. You don't want to bill mm-hmm. the government and then file for a loan for the bank to cover the same thing that you're going to and have that forgiven. Those kinds of things you need to really document and you need to be able to document how you spent that money. Like, was right. it on payroll, rent, utilities? And it sounds like you even have to send your W-2s in. I mean, there's a lot of documentation. So you got to be really organized when you're when you're applying for these loans. Yeah. And, you know, anytime there's a lot of what I would characterize as free money running around, there is you see a lot of ethical boundaries (laughs) that become very gray in these times where people think, oh, well, it's free money or this or that. And at the end of the day, I always say, if you don't need it, don't take it. Yes. That's number one, because guess what? At the end of the day, someone's going to pay for this. At the end of the day, I don't want to be contributing to the national debt. Like our company, we are not getting any loans for this. In fact, I talk about this on LinkedIn a lot. We had almost two years worth of salary set aside just for times like that. We didn't know this was coming. We've just been putting it away. And so if you don't need it, don't take it because you don't want to be one of those companies that added to this debt. The same thing with the payroll stuff. Like if you don't need it, just no, this is not a good thing to do. So what other ways could companies have prepared for this or can they prepare for the the next time around something like this happens? I mean, something's going to happen again. Yeah, absolutely. And this is probably one of those once in a lifetime. Thing. Like I, you know, I'm 44 years old. I've never seen anything like this in my life. I don't know that I ever will. But 9-11 happened not that long ago. Right. So, so and, and that was that was another situation where as a government contractor, that was actually a catalyst for growth for us was 9-11. And so we do see a lot of times where when there's a crisis going on in the rest of the country, the government just whips out their credit card and starts buying stuff and starts doing things. And we saw, I'd never seen in my life, one of the Intel agencies called us up and spent $105,000 on an American Express card with us on 9-11. Wow. And I had never seen anything like that in my life and was just blown away. And then I saw another one and another one, <laughs> you wow. know, and those kind of things started happening. But they all happened because we had very established relationships. You were talking about that earlier. And it boils down to getting to know your customers, but having a plan. I just talked about this in, in one of our latest podcasts where I see three types of companies out there. There's the strategic company, and I call it the planners usually. They're really focused on strategy, but they're not really focused on execution. Then there's the people that are really focused on execution, but they're not really doing it with a strategy. And what I like to see is the third type of company where there's a hybrid approach, where you have a strategy, you are executing, and then as you're executing, you're actually feeding that information back to the team to say what's working and what's not. And most of the companies that get into government contracting 
are purely in execution mode. And from that perspective, they are on the bid matching sites and they're just responding. And right. that is really like the old saying of, of building your house on the sand. As soon as that foundation shifts or move, you're done. You're done. If there's nothing being posted, you have nothing going in your pipeline. And so you really want to focus on having a strategy in place for your team where, hey, you, you have your goals very clearly defined and you are executing along those and you're, you're really tweaking the plan as you go. And so companies that are, that are doing that are in a way better position today than companies that just sit and plan at a high level and don't execute or the companies that are just running around in the weeds just trying to turn up something. And so when I talk about this, to make it a little clearer, you need to know who your top three or four agencies are that you're going after. You need to be focused on building relationships with those people because it's re really easy to say, well, from a tactical level or just a, an action perspective, hey, let's just go and chase everything. Right. Well, it's not necessarily a good plan. So at a high level, who do you really want to target? Who do you want to build relationships with? And when you're doing that, hey, where do we do that? We do that on their website. We do that on their LinkedIn profile. We do that by little things like talking to them and having conversations and getting embedded in that organization, not just trying to make a sale. And then from there, starting to work on the things like, hey, what are your problems in the next three to five years that you're trying to solve and, and learning those things. So if you're doing that, and you'll hear this a lot, is playing the long game you're going to be more prepared. Right. It's the people that only play the short game that are really in a lot of trouble. And I do see this a lot of times, and this is before this crisis, I see this a lot of times in the 8A companies. We see this a lot because a lot of times people think, hey, I've got that 8A certification and that's my golden ticket. I don't necessarily have to get clear on what I do, who I sell to, what my real value is. I don't have to get clear on that because I've got this golden ticket. And then we see them graduate the 8A program and then the company dies. I mean, like a, a really high percentage of those people because they're so focused on something that doesn't necessarily matter to the government. And so we've got to reshape and focus on what really matters to our client, who our client is, what's important to them, and really drilling down in that. And the companies that do that, they graduate the 8A program and go on to do bigger and better things. I always coach my 8A clients to say, look, I know you've got an 8A, but let's stop talking about it. Yeah, I can tell you how many times when I was the director of the Navy's Department of the Navy's Office of Small Business Programs, I'd get these emails from companies announcing that they're in the 8A program yeah. or announcing that they're now a hub zone, but they didn't even tell me what they did. I go, yeah, what do you do? So it, it still boils down to what do you do and what problems can you that the customer has can you solve? And when you talk about playing the short game, uh, here's an example of some companies are not necessarily government contractors, but playing, but not really, they're going about building relationships wrong. I've gotten so many LinkedIn requests from people that say, hey, Emily, I saw your great profile and I want to connect. <laughs> and then the next question yeah. is, well, what, what do you actually do? And, or you said you get questions from people saying, hey, do you want to win more government contracts? Well, yeah, they clearly haven't favorite. even read your profile. Yeah, I mean, you don't even have to dig in my profile to see, like right next to my name, it says, win more government contracts, add me to your network. And I get probably a dozen or, or so a month of people saying, hey, would you like to win more government contracts? I no, no, I'm not even going to talk no, to you. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's not really the way to build a relationship and approach somebody. It just shows that clearly you, you haven't invested any time in getting to, in doing your homework. No, no, not at all. I mean, the only thing it shows is that you're playing the numbers game. 
And if, if you're playing the numbers game, again, you can only play so many numbers. And if the conversion rate is really low at playing the numbers game, then you're going to run out of prospect. I always tell people, do you want to make 200 calls a month or do you want to make 50 or less? It really boils down to that. Because if I can make 25 to 50 calls a month and have really good quality conversations, I would much rather do that than make two, three, four, 500 calls. Yeah. I mean, I will tell you the first 10 calls are the ones that make people want to just quit their job anyway. Nobody wants to make those first 10 calls when they're cold. But when you actually have a reason to call people, it makes it so much easier. Right. It's totally different. And so. So, you know, when I worked for the federal government, I could tell you that I was probably a little naive in that I wondered, you know, why do there need to be coaches and consultants out there for these small businesses? We've got small business professionals. We've got the procurement technical assistance mm-hmm. centers. We've got small business development centers. But now that I'm on this side of the fence, I can really see that the coaches and consultants provide a different kind of service that the right. government can't provide. One of the things I always say when people tell me about like, well, hey, you know, shouldn't I just go to the PTAC or whatever? So yeah, you should. You should absolutely go to them to learn the basics. But at some point, you're going to need deeper technical strategies. You're going to need somebody just can really take your company to a different level of sophistication. I always say, hey, at some point you got to grow up. At some point you got to grow up and stop doing the free stuff. You need help. You would never think, hey, I want a salesperson on my team and I want them to be free. I don't want to pay them commission. I don't want to pay them anything. They should just be free. You would never think that. So it's really the return on investment when you're looking at at coaching, consulting, that sort of thing. But what people don't realize is you're an expert. If you're a business owner or whatever, you're an expert in your industry. I'm an expert in business. I have invested somewhere in the neighborhood of about 300 grand learning business, not only from running my own companies, but from trainings and workshops and things like that. I've tallied it up. It's close to $300,000 I've invested, like honing my skills in this to be able to help clients do this stuff faster. And you learn because you're helping so many clients. What you learn from one, you can help apply to another client. Exactly. Not only that, but there's a new client I just brought on a couple of weeks ago, and I am always linking them up with new teaming partners. It's one of the things we're doing all the time because we're talking to people all over the country. Like the P-Tech's probably talking to people in, in their little area. In the little area. But I've got a client that they want to do business in Texas. They also want to do business in Florida. They want to do in DC and somewhere else. And a lot of times when new prospects come in, they're from all over the country. And I'm like, hey, do you know this company? No, I don't know them. They're in Texas. We're in Florida. We need to connect you guys because you're both in the same industry. And a lot of times, it's really funny, this one particular client that I'm talking about, they're in San Antonio. And every time I turn around, I get somebody new in their city who's actually doing work in their industry and they don't know. And I'm like, yeah, we're going to connect you guys. We're doing that. So, I mean, the connections we make are really cool, but even like the experts. So like I'm in a position where like with the Game Changers book, I know most of the experts in this field. I know the, the really good folks. And if I'm not a good fit, I can say, well, hey, you need to be talking to Jenny Clark or hey, you need right. to be talking to Doc Wright or hey, you need to be talking to whoever because I know that's the right expert for what you're dealing with. And I don't want to sound this sound arrogant in any way when I say this, but when you're at our level, you don't take every client on. No. You just don't. And we're very fortunate to be at a level, you know, Josh and I both, where we can look at new prospects and say, hey, I could help. You could work with me, but you should work with Doug Reitmeyer because he is the guy in construction. And if you're just set on working with me, fine. 
but I'm telling you, he's the guy you need to work with. And so that's kind of what you do at this level where we've got our network of people that we know, like, and trust, and we can bring those in. And so like I have clients that are not only working with me, they're also working with Jenny. Yeah. Because, hey, you, you need multiple experts on this because I'm not an expert in the DCAA stuff that she is. And I don't want to be, but she loves that. So let's bring her in. And now our team just got bigger and it's just going to propel you that much faster. Yeah, no, I completely agree with that. And I think that also you're in a position where you probably wouldn't take on a client if you can tell that that client isn't going to listen and isn't able to take your advice. And I've run into that a lot where companies insist that they know better. Well, if you know better, then Then go ahead and do it. Yeah, you do. (laughs) Well, you know, not only that, but we're in a position where I tell a lot of people, a lot of people, I just sent an email to a guy this morning that said, why do you think you need a GSA schedule? Right. Because he, he's like, I need a GSA schedule. That's fine. Why do you think you need that? And I wrote back and I said, just so you know, I only recommend this for about 30% of our clients and we do the service. So I'm not going to BS you here on this. If you don't need it, you don't need it. Because guess what? It's going to take you anywhere from a year to two years to get your schedule because I know you're slow. I've been on this side of it and I know it takes clients anywhere from three to six, maybe even nine months to put their packet together because life is going on. Even with a coach on them pushing them, it still takes time. So like, what are you going to do to grow your business over the next two years? Has that person you're talking to about a schedule talked to you about that? No. Right. Because just because you have a schedule doesn't mean people are going to use it. Yeah. So like it's, there's all these things that you still have to do once you get it, but between now and the two years, it's going to take you to get it. How are you going to stay in business? Again, the GSA schedule company that all they do is pump out those schedules probably didn't have that conversation with you. And so that's something we, again, we can do at this level, but also another conversation I have all the time is why do you want to get into government contracting? I have that conversation probably about five times a month. And I say, so you're doing really well in the commercial market. Yep. And you know nothing about government. Yep. Why do you want to be a government contractor? Let's have that conversation because this is, it's somewhat like starting a new business and you can't go into it with the same mentality. Now, I think it's a great time to be in government. It's probably never been a better time. But again, if you're already crushing it in your industry, do you want to now start this Again, it feels like a second company for a lot of folks. Well, it's not, government contracting is not a get quick, uh, rich quick scheme. You right, know, it's right. not easy. That's one of the reasons we're talking about government contracting on the Onward podcast, which features authentic conversations on facing adversity yeah. and moving forward. Yeah, there's I a mean, lot of adversity, yeah. Yeah, it's not easy. And you have to be determined and you have to be persistent and you have to mm-hmm. be able to ask for advice. And when you ask for it, you have to be able to listen to that advice. And you're right. It is almost like starting, starting another business because it's different than commercial yeah. contracting. Yeah, but it it has a lot of rewards. And I think the people that are in both markets are making the shift over to this one. So a client of mine, you'll see there's a video we did a couple of days after she won this contract. She was in the travel industry. So we're talking a multi-million dollar a year business solely on travel. Wow. 100%. And I reached out to her. And then the COVID virus came around. Yeah. So I reached out to her right after the major lockdowns went into place. And I said, what's going on? She was like, 100% of our bookings for the next 90 days, all done. So we're talking a multi-million dollar business here. And literally 100% of their business dries up overnight. Because it's not like the the customer wasn't happy. Not allowed to travel. Not allowed to have a conference. All those different things. So what did she do? She started looking at, well, 
what's going on in the industry? What's going on in government? Hey, guess what? National Guard's traveling. And boom, here's a contract. Here's a contract that led to another contract. So she's really doubling down on her government efforts right now and winning contracts like crazy. She's being and persistent. So, she's not giving up. She's thinking no. creatively about yeah, how so, she can help. Yeah. So instead of focused on all of this corporate travel and all that stuff, she's like, hey, government's traveling like crazy. Let's shift our team to focus on all this government work that's out there. And, and they're booking it. You know, they're booking it left and right. And so that's I'm awesome. really, really proud of, of Candace Pinger is, is the one there from uh, Direct Accommodations. And they're just crushing it. I think that one thing I would recommend for small businesses that are listening to this and, and even coaches, it's really important to collect the good news stories. Just as important to collect the challenges that you're facing so we can make some changes along the way in policy or whatever. But and so you can um, reassess and figure out how to prevent yourself from being in this situation again as best as possible. But collecting the success stories is really important because mm-hmm. once this is all over, we're going to be looking for those success stories. I think the government yeah. will. And it's really important to share how small businesses are helping the federal government because it's not about meeting a goal. It's about delivering quality product on time and solving the customer's challenges. And I know that small businesses are out there doing that right now. And those stories need to get out there. Yeah. And there's a lot of challenges for the government right now. You know, this is, I think we use the word unprecedented times too much here, but it is for them. And so there's a lot of, there's a lot of young government people out there. And when I say young twenties, thirties, forties, where, you know, they haven't been government contracting their whole life. They've never seen anything like this. And it's really, it's just turned their world upside down. So how can we authentically help them? Yeah, that's a good point. So tell us a little bit about the book and why people should uh, read your book. Uh, the Game Changers book. So a couple of years ago, I decided to put together a podcast called Game Changers for Government Contractors. That's where a lot of people know us. And as we started going through, uh, we started to put together books. And Josh put together his book, Insider's Guide, and that came out and did really, really well. And I actually have a book publishing background. I I used to do that work with a lot of celebrity authors like uh, Steve Forbes and Dan Kennedy and Brian Tracy and uh, Jack Canfield and all these guys. We used to work there. And, and, you know, I thought, you know, wouldn't it be great at some point if we did kind of a a co-author book with a lot of our podcast guests. So I went back to everybody who had been in Game Changers and some people I wanted on Game Changers and said, hey, why don't you write a chapter? in here. And so went and got expertise in just about every topic you can imagine. So, you know, we've got people talking about proposal writing and the fundamentals and price to win and exit strategies and banking stuff. And there's all these different topics in there. And so reached out to everybody, kind of got them together, put the book together in 2019. And then in early February, most people don't know this, but early February is my birthday. So the day after my birthday, this book comes out and uh, hits number one bestseller list in Amazon. And the feedback's been great. It's really focused on just really quick read, quick strategies that you can apply to your business in all of those different areas. And again, there's 34 chapters or so in the book. And it just, it covers a very wide gamut of what you're going to face as a government contractor. And one of the the really cool things that we also did with that is I made sure and include a little bio and the LinkedIn information for all the authors. And so if a chapter really resonates with somebody, they can connect with that author. Hey, I saw you in Game Changers. And we really tried to make it where people understood how approachable these people are. You know, they're in business, 
just like you are. They're very approachable. You have questions, you can connect. So it's sort of, you know, not only taking the podcast and bringing it offline in a different version, because they don't talk about everything on the podcast. They talk in the chapter. There's some extra stuff in there. But then being able to create that network where you can expand your network by reaching these experts and, uh, and just kind of broadening yeah, personal network. I, I read it. What I really liked about it, what I recommend people do is read the whole book from front to back, but then then go into the chapters that really are going to help you where where your company is right now. Mm-hmm. Some of them you may not need to read now. Others they may you know you may need to read later. But it's all it was just an awesome book, and yeah. I Thank highly you. recommend it. Thank yeah. you. I, re- I really appreciate that. And if you're listening and you've read the book, we would appreciate an Amazon review because something people don't know about Amazon is Amazon actually rejects a lot of reviews, even though they're legitimate and we don't know about it and you don't know about it. So they completely reject a lot of reviews. And then a lot of times they won't let you review any other products or books for months. It's very interesting the way that works. So I've got dozens of people that have said, oh, I wrote, wrote a great review and I go look and there's no review. And people I trust. And so, you know, if you've read it, you love it, your review's on there. If you read it, loved it, please write a review. Amazon's so brutal to us. (laughs) And they're they're brutal to all authors about that. So Uh, that's got to be pretty frustrating. It is. So one other thing I wanted to talk about is CMMC, you know, cybersecurity Mm. and the cybersecurity maturity model. When I was on the NDIA call today, the small business committee, some people were wondering, is the government going to slow down implementation of this cybersecurity maturity model since we've got all this virus stuff going on? And I don't see that slowing down. Are you guys helping your clients prepare for that? We are indirectly helping them prepare. And in fact, Mm. I just did a podcast that comes out over the next month or two about that. And I'm not seeing it slow down. But I'm also, I'm not worried about it either. There's way too many people worried about that one. I think this is one of the the few times where I've seen the government take a very reasonable, rational approach to something that's so new. And so I would not stress about it. I would not stress about the certification itself. And I would not stress about the cost. Right. It's going to be okay. Again, I'm not even remotely worried about this thing. I think it's in a beta form, if you will, or pilot mode. And so I think a lot of the feedback that's going to be coming back to the government's going to help them shape this. We're not even thinking of seeing it into RFPs till the summer. So I'm not worried about it. I think anybody who is, you, you're probably hearing the wrong hype because I do see some mixed messages on LinkedIn. I do see people that are saying, this is the death of small business. It's the worst thing that's happened. But those are the same people that typically say everything is the death of small businesses. This guy is falling. (laughs) This guy is always falling. And yet here we are. So, uh, you know, if the sky was going to fall, it was going to be during the COVID virus. And and here I'm talking to you, giving examples of clients that are thriving in this environment. So don't think the sky is falling with this. I don't see them slowing down on it. They might. But again, this is a little bit down the track on their radar in the coronavirus stuff is right now on that radar. So will it change? Possibly, but I don't see that. But I would not worry about it. The podcast we did is going to come out in a couple of weeks. It's a breakdown, kind of opened my eyes a little bit on like how many even action items. We're going to see most people in that tier three level with a couple hundred action items that they're going to need to be working on. And so it sounds overwhelming, but it's not. So yeah. And if you need help, implementing there's help out there there's plenty of help out there just just like everything don't go crazy and hire a company for 50 grand to go and do this because it's probably overkill so just be careful yeah all right thank you michael any last minute tips before we end this interview i kind of said them just a minute ago you know don't freak out 
That's yeah. the biggest tip. Don't freak out. If you need help, reach out to someone. Reach out to myself, to you, Emily. I reach out to people that you you know resonate with, people that you feel are grounded in this, people that are not talking about the sky falling. Reach out to those people because I just called an old client of mine on Monday. And the moment we had the conversation, like two minutes in, they're like, you know, we needed you to call because we just needed to hear your voice and hear you say it's going to be okay. Well, you have a calming voice. <laughs> That's what they said. I'm like, really? I didn't know that. <laughs> they was like, we just needed to hear you say it's going to be okay. And point is to that because everyone else is saying the sky is falling. And so reach out to those people, the calming people, the people that are, are giving a message of hope. Because we're going to be able to look through this. You always, I've always heard, you get to know somebody in a time of crisis. And how people are acting in a time of crisis can either be scary or it can be really calming. And that's what people need right now. They need to be calm. They need to be filled with some hope. And they need people in their lives that are going to point them in a good direction. And so reach out to those people. That's the number one thing. Thanks for listening to Game Changers for Government Contractors. For a full list of episodes and other resources, be sure and check us out on the web at www.rsmfederal.com slash gamechangers.